Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to a special edition of the Groovy Podcast. Uh, my name is Ken Cousin. I'm podcasting from Marlboro, Connecticut, and this time I'm joined by, okay, you pronounce it. <laughs> Skullcronia. And you are in, where are you located right now? I am based out of Andorra. That's where I'm actually at the moment, so a lot of people don't know where it is. It's a little principality situated in the Pyrenees Alps between Spain and France. Uh, we've got a very, very small tech community here where we are trying to grow things. And it's a wonderful place to actually work out of. That's wonderful. And every time you've sent a picture, it is absolutely gorgeous from where you are. Um, it's late in the evening, though, where you are right now, isn't it? Yes, it's not turning up, actually. Just around about 7 o'clock. Oh, not too bad. I mean, I'm on GMT, what, minus 5, I guess. I'm I'm in Eastern Daylight Time, and you're in, what, GMT plus 2, did you say? Yeah, pretty much European uh, summertime. Right. Now, we first... Now, we met years ago. We, we've met at conferences and things like that, but where I really got to actually work with you is when we were both doing some work with Gradle on the, the Gradle guides. Uh, you were there before I was, right? That's correct. Yes, you were. You had started. Did you do anything there other than the Gradle guides? Because you were working with as a contractor for Gradle for a little while, right? No, we just actually at that time just worked on actually writing guides. Yeah, I think that was Chris Beams brought us in, something like that. That's correct. Yeah, and what you were much better at than I was was the complicated process we had to go through. <laughs> To get one of those guys written and deployed and updated and running it through the, the CI server and, and all the features we had to do. Um, yeah, anyway, it's always been a little baby for me. I really enjoy that great yeah. pipelines. So that's the things that just worked for me. Now, was that in actually that was that was two years ago, wasn't it? That was in 2016 or 17. It was over 2016, 2017, some period. I think we started working together in like January 2017, so I suspect. Yeah. Right. You joined a month or two before that, and then I jumped in with you, and we worked on the guides project until the Gradle Summit that year, which was the last Gradle Summit, as it turned out. And, and then, um, pardon me? That's correct. Yeah. We haven't had a summit after that. Right, and then they decided, okay, we're done, and they loaded up the, the project, and it was all announced, and we haven't had to deal with it ever since. Now they're updating them internally, they're managing all that stuff there. Uh, that's fine. That That is, however, where I learned how to approximately correctly pronounce your name. Okay. <laughs> now, you your background is, is South African too, isn't it? That's correct. I lived in South Africa for 33 years. I was born there. So I still have Africa running in my blood. But you've also lived in the UK, is that right? That's right. Lived there for many years as well. You were in the London area, as I recall? That's correct. And I've lived... The great idea, I would say, the wonderful thing I actually did get from working in the UK was actually I got to meet a lot of excellent technical people. And that's really where my sort of open source career took off and, and working that area. So I've just met a lot of people. And I'm eternally grateful for actually having that opportunity. Now, 
you moved to Andorra. It hasn't been all that long, right? It's been about a, maybe a year, year and a half, something like that. Two years now. Oh, really? It's adding up, huh? Adding yeah. Up. And you like it still? We still like it. The weather is great. I mean, there's a lot of outdoor things you can do here. The food's great, which is also important. And what are the, the opportunities to work from here? Well, internally in the country, there's very little opportunities, but it's a good place to work out doing a lot of consulting from here. So what are the common languages? Uh, what languages do you have to speak in order to do okay in Andorra? Well, people who grow up here generally can, they grow up speaking three languages, which is um, French, Catalan, and Spanish. Well, Catalan is actually the official language. And then after that, there's like English and a lot of Portuguese people as well. So I am in the process of learning Catalan going forward to classes. Um, it's pretty hard work for me. There's a lot of people that speak Catalan, but then I, I grew up speaking a minority language anyway, which is only speak, spoken by a couple of million people in the world. So I'm just learning another language to speak spoken by a couple of million people. What, what language was that? So my, my mother tongue is Afrikaans. That's what I thought. Right. Yes. Um, okay. Now you've been involved in the Groovy community for a long time, right? I mean, when did you get involved in Groovy? I cannot really remember. Hmm. I remember Russell Wander actually introducing me to Groovy, and I think Groovy was maybe 1.0 at that time. Hmm. And I remember still joking to him and said, well, this actually makes the JVM useful. Yes. <laughs> So where were you working at the time? Do you remember? I was still working permanently at that time, working for McAfee. Um, I can't actually remember which team I was working for. I was managing one of our other teams. And uh, I think a lot of that took over because we actually started using Groovy in one of our production teams, automating things with Groovy and trying to do a couple of things around it, which was just a lot easier for us to do than any of other languages that was available at the time. And well, one thing just led to another. Obviously, from Groovy, we got, I actually got into Gradle after that because obviously that was just a quick step at the time. And I think even at that time, Gradle was like 0 0.8 as well. So I cannot remember. It's probably at least around about 2010 or something. So Groovy led to Gradle. There was a little bit of an audio glitch there while you were talking there. So, But Groovy led you to Gradle. And, and I know you've been very active with Gradle in that you actually have a couple of uh, LeanPub books published, right? Do you want to mention those? Yeah, yeah I started actually when there's the first book I actually wrote. I started with working with Gradle stuff, and I realized writing plugins, there's no standards, etc. and people just doing different things, and people repeating the same kind of mistakes. And I just grabbed a couple of recipes together of things that I was writing and putting them down in the book, the first book. We just effectively covered basic recipes, which were very, very important. Uh, I haven't finished the second book yet because Gradle is moving so fast that I had to adjust the targets on the book a couple of times. But there's a couple of very, very complex recipes coming out from the second book um, and more complex patterns as well, which is once again important because the more Gradle evolves, it actually gets more and more complex to write a decent plugin, especially if you write an open source plugin or one that's 
gets published even as a commercial plugin, it's still very, very complex. It's not that easy anymore. I mean, Vladimir Orani, the other day at Bridge, just said as well, so it just gets too complex. I cannot write a good plugin anymore. Wow. Too many things to take care of. So that's part of writing the, the recipes for the book. Now, the name of the book is? Idiomatic Gradle. Yeah. Volume 1 and Volume 2. So I know at LeanPub, it's, I mean, it's in my, my LeanPub library there. So it's Idiomatic Gradle Volume 1 is the one that's officially released. And it's, it's not really about how to use Gradle idiomatically. It's more about how to write Gradle plugins, right? Is that a reasonable statement? That's totally correct. Okay. So, and that's been out of, uh, for a little while now. Um, how, how do you like LeanPub? Have you been happy working with that system? Yeah, there's actually a good story behind it as well. Um, because I wanted to write this book for on LeanPub, but I didn't want to use Markdown. Right. I used ASCII doc, and then I looked at the process, and I said, no, no, no. It's just so much easier to write things than ASCII doc. But the first thing I actually did before writing the book is actually write a, a backend for ASCII doc to convert ASCII doc into um, the, the flavor of Markdown that LeanPub uses. And that's available to use as well. There will be quite a big upgrade coming to that in the future as well because we need to adjust it for the new release of ASCII Doctor J. People can use it. I'm definitely interested in that because I don't like writing in Markdown, and yet there are certain places like Pragmatic Programmers, for example, where they still pretty much use Markdown, and yet I use ASCII Doc for everything that I possibly can, you know, for materials, for writing books for O'Reilly, for, well, wherever I can. And, and the fact that you have an ASCII doc to Markdown translator within the limits of what Markdown can do, right? I mean, because Mark can't, can't do as many things as ASCII doc. That's very helpful. Yeah, that's correct. But we, there's a couple of hoops to jump through because, for instance, there is um, syntax highlighting in LeanPub but you cannot use callouts like you can do in ASCII doc. So there is a conversion process for that that actually does something that's visible with line number references. But it's great. It's great. Mm. And since you've been through the process of writing a whole book that way, yeah, we I definitely want to talk to you about that again. But let's let's make the distinction now between ASCII doc and ASCII doctor and ASCII doctor J and and the Gradle plugin for ASCII doc. I mean, ASCII doc is, if I recall correctly was uh, based on Ruby, right? It was all using Ruby gems? Well, it's actually even before that. The original ASCII doc was written in Python. Oh, I didn't know that. But, yeah, that's correct. And it's still available. And then I, I'm not sure who wanted to do something for GitHub, but I definitely know Dan was involved. And Dan because, Allen, right? Yes, that's correct. And because GitHub was a big Ruby house, they actually effectively wrote everything in Ruby. Uh, and because it wasn't Ruby, they could take the next step and take, bring it to the JVM of JRuby. So that's why we now have ASCII Doctor, which effectively can convert ASCII Doc documents because the, the format itself is called ASCII Doc. The Ruby tool is just called ASCII Doctor. And as so I said, then we have ASCII Doctor J, which is effectively running the Ruby code on the JRuby and pulls in all of the gems anyway. That is required as gets bundled into the ASCII doctor J jar automated jar. There's also ASCII doctor JS, which is a transpilation from Ruby into JavaScript. Oh my. Using Google. And then you can basically run ASCII doctor JS in your browser. 
etc. So those are basically the flavors it's really making um, ground. I suspect at some stage there will be an official spec for ASCII doc so you can write your own conversion in whatever language you want, but that hasn't been finalized because people are too busy doing other things. So which part is Dan Allen actively working on? Definitely driving ASCII doc to Ruby. That's the first place. It obviously leads the whole community around ASCII doc. Mm. Uh, and it's always there for advice, etc. So he is basically, well, I would say, the chief in charge or the main guy from the community. And but most of the things that he will do currently is work on the new generation of ASCII Doctor and a couple of the gems around it. For instance, all of the changes that we require for PDF processing, and there's some for EPUB as well. And and of course, there's the other offspring called Antora now, which is effectively publishing documentation in a much better way than we haven't been able to do before, but it's also ASCII doctor based. Wait a minute, what's, what's that one? I don't know that one. Antora, it's spelled A-N-T-O-R-A. Oh. And uh, people have started using it for other things as well, but it's primarily still focused on publishing documentation. Hmm. Linking different kinds of documentation together, for instance, your Java doc, your ASCII doc, and everything else that you need, then as effective makes up project documentation into the system. Oh, very interesting. I haven't, I haven't heard about that one. Now, I know when I try to do something with ASCII doc, it, if I'm trying to do it locally, I'm trying to build my ASCII doc with, uh, uh, with Gradle. You know, I, there's the, the Gradle plugin. For ASCII doc, which I think is, um, I think that uses like ASCII doc 1.6 now or something. Is that right? Okay, there's been a whole transformation in that space. Right. We what has happened? We've placed ASCII doc the Gradle plugin one of five in maintenance. Hmm. We've released 1.6, which is effectively exactly the same functionality as 1.5, but it uses ASCII doc J 1.6 underneath. Um, the reason for this is that there are enough binary breakages between ASCII Doctor J16 and 1.5 to warrant this. And one of the major things that affect people using the Gradle plugin is the fact that they they've got binary extensions. They have to recompile the extensions. But we've also now released version two of the ASCII Doctor Gradle plugin. We still use the ASCII Doctor J16, but it's a whole effective, great extent, a rewrite. It's much more powerful. It takes care of a lot of the, both the use cases and the performance issues we saw in the old ranges. It also has gone beyond, for instance, just having a single ASCII doctor task. You now have specific tasks types to deal with PDFs, EPUBs, and even reveal JS at the moment, which brings in a lot of more attributes, or not attributes, but actually properties and methods in Gradle that you can set, which then takes care for instance the attributes in ASCII Doctor itself. And obviously, having done that, it means you can take care of, of things in as um, no, in Gradle like uh, task caching, file caching, etc. So you get the best of both worlds, and it's and it's now the best integration as far as I know between any build tool and ASCII doctor, and not just as basically the whole process of integrating the whole docker ops kind of approach to a book tool. So if I understand it correctly, when whenever I use ASCII doc, 
in my Gradle build file, I could specify what backends I want. And I usually just go with HTML, which is the HTML5 one, but you can also generate PDF. So I've, I've done that a few times. So if I, if I get what you're saying, you could do an EPUB now, you can do a, uh, what's the other, the Kindle one, the Mobi, I suppose, and some others too? That's correct. And if you do EPUB, it will do two things for you. If you want to generate formats for Kindle, it will it will start Kindle Gen for you on your um, workstation, so you don't have to install Kindle Gen separately. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, it uses the Glorified library in the background to do that to pull down the the binary and store it somewhere, and that obviously will work on Windows, Linux, and Mac. Mm. If you use some strange like FreeBSD, it won't work there. You still have to install it manually. Well, actually, I don't think you find Kindle Gen on FreeBSD anyway, so. It's not supported in that sense. Okay. And the other thing is, is that I, I noticed when I was looking at the release notes about the 2.0.0 release, apparently that's what they called it, uh, the big change that might affect what I'm doing is that now the, the source code renderers are all done through plugins. Is that the idea? You could write your own renderers or there's a lot of choices for that now? Um, okay, we have to make a distinguishment between two things. So the release, the version releases of ASCII Dr. Gradle is not tied to the release version of ASCII Dr. J anymore. Okay. So ASCII Dr. J is still on 1.6 officially, but there's also a 2.0, which is an RC, and which, once again, is a big binary breakage. But ASCII Dr. J 2.0 will follow ASCII Dr. The Ruby version. But Robert Panzer has done a lot of things around that um, area as well to split the API so that you can actually in the future have a different engine um, underneath ASCII Dr. J, not necessarily the J Ruby version. So there's a lot of flexibility we have that is coming, but that's not actually officially available in the ASCII Dr. Gradle plugin. So underneath, you're still going to run with ASCII Dr. J. So uh, when do you expect the 2.0 to be released? Uh, it depends on a couple of last things that Robert wants to get done. Uh, and just to put it, he might actually release as early as Easter, but he might hang on a little bit and add a couple of last features. Because the problem, he, he needs to set a good API down there because he doesn't want to do a, a 3.0 release this year just because he broke a couple of APIs. So he's just trying to get the API right. So, but you do expect it, say, within a month or something like that? Currently, I would guess Robert would release it either April, May, or maybe at the latest June. Now, this is... This is open source, so we, it just has to be released when it's ready. So this is Robert who? I, I don't know Robert. Robert Panzer. Oh. Who is pretty much the main person behind Asking Dr. J nowadays. But I can use the 2.0 release candidate now, right? Yes, you can use it, but you cannot use it in the Gradle plugin because the API has changed. But we're already working on that. There is an ASCII Dr. Gradle version 3 on a branch now, which has already done the integrations. Okay. So we will be able to release a while after ASCII Dr. J2 is officially out. So I'm better off waiting. Yeah, we're using that as an opportunity to break a couple of APIs in the Gradle plugin again, 
because we already learned a couple of things. So we can break a couple and then we'll have a lot of more potential things that we can do once the, the version of the Gradle plugin is out. If, if you don't use it with Gradle, how do you run ASCII doc at all? Do you just run it from an ASCII doc command or is there something else? Yeah, there's two options. You can run it by installing gems if you've got Ruby locally and just use normal ASCII doctor. There is also a distribution of ASCII Doctor J available, which you can install via SDK Man. Mm, that's the one that yes, I've installed that. I think I've installed that with SDK Man, and I never really knew how to use it. I just always, uh, oh, what's uh, what's Peter's tool for uh, creating a new project from scratch? The Lazy um, Bones. Yeah, Lazy Bones. I think I made a project with Lazy Bones for an ASCII Doctor project, and of course that was the I did the the ASCII Doctor J Gradle version of that, so that I had the Gradle build file. But okay, I see you might be able to use it without as well. Now um, you talked about some of this at Greech, right? You were didn't you give a presentation at Greech on some of these issues? Yes, I actually ran all session called what's new in ASCII doctor mm. basically covers some of the things we just discussed and i also spoke some of the issues we had with for instance gradle actually building the new ASCII doctor um, plugin so it was a bit of a step over doing everything giving people some tips of what you can do with how to write your plugins issues that you will come across and then obviously just talking about ASCII doctor itself and its roadmap I, I read through some of the slides you published, but I think without you there explaining what was going on, I got lost pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of detail about what you were doing under the hood. Uh, but I am looking forward to using that. But finally, I'm getting a chance to talk to somebody who was actually at Greech. What did you think of the conference? How did you enjoy it? I enjoy it a lot. I've always enjoyed the previous editions of, of Greech. Madrid's a great city. Obviously, this year it was run by new people. Um, taking over from Ivan and Albert, and um, and now basically Sergio is the main person running it, and Forky was helping a lot as well. I would say, to a great extent, you wouldn't even have noticed that it was a change of management. The conference was still great; it was well organized. A couple of things maybe changing the way it's being run. It's not a pure Groovy conference anymore. It was more like track of Groovy stuff and one track of other things on the JVM. Uh, I think it's still really, really worked out really, really well. We had a couple of new speakers you might not normally have heard if it was pure Groovy. Well, that's good. Uh, so what did you, any particular talks you liked or anything you attended you, you wanted to mention? The one thing I would actually mention, which I didn't go to, because I actually went to the, the alternative talk on the day, was the one that was done on I can't remember the person's name. I think it's called Todd. I'm sorry, Somebody, I think his name is Todd. I can't oh. actually remember the name now. Hmm. But he did a whole great talk about how he effectively automated his barn with Arduino, Raspberry Pi and everything and using Groovy in the process. And that was definitely turned out to be a very, very popular talk, especially it was the very, very last talk of the conference as well. A couple of other great workshops, I have to say, that was presented on the first day. Vladimir did a great one writing DSLs. Um, Andres did a great workshop on integrating the Core Damp plugins. If you write, 
if you build your projects with Gradle and it's a Java project, you can actually use the code and plugins to put a lot more consistency into your project. For instance, you have Jacelco in there, you have consistent ways how you lay out the directories. To some extent, building on the philosophy of Maven, but just do it much better because it's a Gradle build. Now, as I recall, that um, the Vladimir Aranyi, right? Or that's his. That's that's right. his yeah, he. We talked about on the last Groovy podcast. He actually was kind enough to publish his workshop notes, which looked like they were written in ASCII doc. By the way, you know, <laughs> you can always recognize that look and feel. Uh, so he published that online. I think we had a link in the last show notes, and then of course Andres, the Cordamp plugins. That's a K O R. D A M P D U M P something like that. Yeah, AMP, I think. Yeah, and it's a whole collection of plugins that do a wide variety of tasks, uh, including the ones you mentioned, right? Yes. So, um, how far is uh, Madrid from Andorra? Is that uh, several hours? Did you take a train? Did you fly? What did you do? No, for me, it is quite a travel. Uh, I think my car is between six or seven hours drive. Wow. So what I do is I drive two hours down to one train station in a city called Yeda, which is spelled double L-E-I-D-A. And then okay. you take the high speed train from there. And I, that train only takes two hours. So I can do four hours to Madrid instead of like seven. Much better. Yeah, we, we don't have high speed trains in the U.S. We have what they call high speed trains, but not, I mean, Europeans and Asians would laugh at our high speed trains, I'm sure. You know, I was thinking about this recently when I was remembering some of my history with Ruby on Rails and how Ruby on Rails was called Ruby on Rails because he was referring to the high speed European trains. You know, uh, if you were in the U.S. and you referred to a framework as Java on Amtrak, everybody would run screaming, you know, to the hills. <laughs> Um, yeah, what, what, by the way, what made you think of even moving to Andorra in the first place? I just have to ask what, I mean, that's not something that would immediately come to mind for me. No, that's a different story. I was down in the, on the coast of Spain one summer and we actually drove down all of the way because I, you know, I like long distance driving things like that. And we drove back and we spent a couple of days in Andorra. I said, wow, this is great. And because we were at that time sort of thinking of moving to Spain, we started to investigate what it takes to move into Andorra. And then we said, oh, okay, I think we can manage that because the immigration is pretty strict in certain ways. And you have to make certain financial commitments. Hmm. And then we just went through the process and got um, residents and we here. So are you a, you're, you're not working for somebody in Andorra. You're a one-person company, is that right? Or are you an independent contractor? What's the status? No, we actually have a registered company in Andorra, which, well, it's not going to sound like I'm a one-person company. It's not really. But part of the company is to actually do the consultation and training. And then we also find very good projects where we can, and we bring in external people to work on those projects and they all the network um, and the great thing about it is then we know everybody's good and people the companies come back and ask us to do the work for them again because they like the people that actually work on a project and we're not like a um just a, a body shop like we can actually call some like um recruitment agencies and we actually physically a project consultancy so, so everybody works together, and um, we deliver something for a customer. 
So are you doing as much management as you are technical work, or are you primarily still doing technical work? I do everything. It just okay. depends on things um, turn out. Sometimes I am just working actually the project for, with marching all people um, for the company he's working on it for basically to Greystand. I'm nearly full-time on that, but that's finishing off. So then you still have to put in all the other things, finding new work for other people, yeah. running your company, you know, getting their accountants to do work because of stuff you don't want to do. Right, right. And there's not enough hours in a day for that. Now, you said Martian. Is that Martian Erdman? Yes, that's right. Where's he based? He's now joined a company permanently called Adaptivist, and they're doing a lot of groovy work. Uh, Adaptivist, the way I understand it, makes most of their money by writing integrations for Gyra, for that, actually the whole Atlassian suite. Hmm. And they actually, they've done some really decent product. And um, I think, as I said, I think a lot of the stuff is just Groovy. So the things I got involved with are all Groovy and Braille. So where's he, where's he located? He's still located in London. Okay, because, I mean, Atlassian's an Australian company, right? Um, I don't know what Atlassian is, but they're not working for Atlassian. The company's called Adaptivist. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's a bridge to that, but it's not affiliated necessarily. Yeah, sure. I get that. So, but um, is Brexit going to wind up affecting you in a big way? Do you know? Um, it will affect me in the end because it might affect travel arrangements and things yeah. like that. We're trying to isolate ourselves from that. But we luckily got a little bit of an extension at the moment. We'll see how things turn out from that. But it gives us some breathing space. Well, somebody apparently has a sense of humor in this thing because apparently the extension deadline is Halloween, which, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, they, they had to have done that on purpose, right? Whoever granted the extension, I'd say, oh, yeah, let's make it Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that hasn't gone unnoticed. Yeah. Now, uh, you say you've been still doing a lot of technical work. Is there anything that you can talk about publicly? Um, well, it's normal, the things we've done in open source, a lot of things like for instance, I've been spent a lot of time working on ASCII Doctor plugin, but I'm doing a lot of other things in that space as well. Um, I've done another upgrade to the Gradle Fund library, which is a library specifically helping people to write better Gradle plugins. Hmm. Um, and I'm also involved in a couple of other things, for instance, Gradle test, which once again is another Gradle space testing tool. But I've been actually spreading my wings, working in a couple of other spaces, getting into IoT. Uh, we are going to do some IoT projects this year, and uh, I actually hope that next year I could do some talks about what we've actually accomplished with IoT. I think um, the fact that you did that Gradle test plugin, if I remember that correctly, that's not really again for testing a Gradle build as much as it is for testing a Gradle plugin. Or do I have that wrong? The primary focus is for testing Gradle plugins against multiple versions of Gradle. Right. Which is one of the problems because people just don't have enough time to try and maintain it. So that actually helps a lot. You should just specify extra versions of Gradle and it will just test them for you. But I've actually used it in some other scenarios for instance, even writing my book. I've got Gradle test in there. So it tests all of the code against different versions of Gradle. 
I think that's where I heard about it is when you were updating the book and you were running through the te- all the Gradle builds and all the plugins in the book through your Gradle test plugin. That doesn't seem to be as well known as I think it probably should be. I mean, I think it would be better if more people knew about it. Is that in the Gradle plugin repository or registered there anyway? Yes, it is. Yes, and it's got reasonable documentation. I say reasonable because it's got quite a bit, but it's yeah. never good enough. Right. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. We kind of lost you there for a second with the, the a little bit of an audio glitch. So you say there's reasonable documentation because, again, it's never enough. And then you said something after that? Yes, I always try to add more documentation mm. if I do another Gradle test update. But the thing is, as you and I well know, is... When you write documentation, you cannot really write it alone. You really need a second person because when you write a documentation, you're focused on one thing and you really need a second person to effectively just copy edit it because that second person will look at it from a different point of view. Mm. So that's why a lot of our documentation is never good enough because you don't have a second person to review it. But if I search for it at the Gradle plugin repository, I just look for Gradle dash test. Is that, that good enough? Just Gradle test, no dashes. Oh, Gradle test, all one word. Yes. Okay, I'll take a look. Um, so, okay, since we've been talking about Gradle for all this, I guess we have to bring up the, the Kotlin question. Okay. <laughs> have you uh, played around with the Kotlin DSL for Gradle at all yet? Yes, I have. Part of it was actually writing new plugins. We tried to write tests for the Kotlin DSL as well. And that actually just allows you to do that. You can actually dump a Gradle, a bull Gradle and a bull Gradle KTS file in exactly the same folder and it will test both mm. and infrastructure. So that was basically the part I've done the most. I personally still don't like it that much. I can mm. see the benefits some people want in it. And obviously there's the idea of completion, which is better. But I look from things from, for instance, a readability point of view. For me, DSLs have to write like I have to read like a story, mm. and when I look at Kotlin DSLs, they still look too much like code. Okay, so that's that's the kind of approach you want to take. You have to take something that you know works for you, and if it's easier for you to write in Kotlin, then write it in Kotlin. Uh, if you want to read, write something that's maybe a bit more readable, simple things or more complex things, it really wants them to be more readable, in my opinion. Um, there are still several glitches that has to be sorted out in the Kotlin DSL as well. Um, and having especially written the ASCII doctor upgrades, we have found a lot of strange little issues. Really? For instance, um, if you want to get code coverage and you test up with Gradle's test kit, you have to run it in, in debug mode. If you run it with debug mode and you run the Kotlin DSL, it breaks. Oh, wow. So you cannot get code coverage if you test against the Kotlin DSL. And there are open issues against that, but it's like little things that will just get you. Interesting. No, I, I don't know. I, I'm still using just a minimal amount of it. Are you using Kotlin for anything else, by the way? Have you, is it a language you're interested in, or are you just you're only using it for the Gradle DSL part? Currently, at the moment, I don't really have any application for it. Otherwise, um, maybe if I get involved with Android again, maybe we'll use Kotlin for that. But there's nothing specific at the moment. So are you using Groovy these days for anything uh, project-related? Yes, we do a lot of Groovy. Well, that's good. 
how about sorry a lot of this gun compile static as well i mean people have different opinions it works for us if i have issues with performance we'll look into that but most of the things we do never really is in and there's an issue with performance because they are not like things that really really take that high for throughput so i'm good with doing through most things because it also then brings down the time to market how about uh grails or micronaut do you do anything with either of those Yes, I've already done stuff with Micronaut. I like it a lot. Um, we've done one project where we had to use it for a customer, actually as part of the test system. And that was even before it was officially released as 1.0. So I think we still did it with Milestone 2 or something and did the job. So it's good. I'll do more stuff with Micronaut going forward. I think they just announced last week, was it, that they went to 1.1? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I I don't recall the actual date, but that was something like that, and they're very happy. And I, you know, I wore my Micronaut shirt today because you know why not, right? Even though I still haven't spent any serious time with Micronaut yet, but okay, I'll I'll help out. Uh, let's see, anything else you've been working on? You want to talk about anything? And uh, you're going to be going to Great Conf, right? No, I'm not going to Great Conf because unfortunately this year, um, Jala Barcelona. And great conference at the same time. Uh, it was a little misunderstanding, but I am part of the organization committee of Java Barcelona, so I'll be going there. Okay, then uh, maybe we can hear back from you after you've been to that one and find out how, how that goes as well. I've always heard great things about Barcelona as a city and about the community there. And of course, we know about Madrid now as well. Um, I suppose I should mention too that that Sergio, who's running the the Greech conference now, supposedly has some newsletter, but I I forget the name, and I don't know that anybody's you know necessarily interested in that. You know, I oh, people are very interested. I think Groovy Calamari, definitely. <laughs> I think yeah, you're just winding him up. I'm I'm trying. I mean, he tries to do it to me, so I got to give it back somehow, right? <laughs> <laughs> to some degree, yes, of course, we love the groovy calamari, right? It's an excellent thing there, and it's not half baked, right? It's definitely cooked very well. Moving on, at any rate, uh, anything else you want to mention or bring up? I mean, I'm I'm glad you've done all that work with ASCII Doc and with the plugin. I'm looking forward to the Gradle version. It was a lot of fun working with you on the the uh, the Gradle guides as well. Um, I'm also kind of glad that's done, you know. <laughs> Um, anything else you want to comment on? No, I could just actually say maybe Micronauts, just returning to that, it's really been an inspiration for um, other companies as well. Suddenly, the guys at Spring have to um, pull up their backsides and do something because it's really beating Spring Boot at the moment, hands down. And obviously, Red has also been doing something as well. I'm just surprised that Red hasn't actually mentioned the inspiration that Micronaut was in their whole venture. So, well, that is uh, that is a sore point. I mean, Graham Roche and, and Jeff Brown—they both been very diplomatic. When Micronaut makes Spring look bad, they've been saying, "No, it's good that everybody's looking at performance now and trying to improve the speed and all these." Rather than going, "Nah, you know, we got you," you know. But and and as you say, some of the 
companies don't like to acknowledge the contributions from other technologies or earlier technologies, even though we all have to work together, right? It's not like everybody, there's no lone developer building everything from scratch. We all have to work as a, as a community to make progress, but it's, it's the typical groovy community and that, that Jeff and Graham are being very diplomatic about it, I think. Yes, I reckon so as well. Yep. Well, I'm really glad you were available. I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to talk. It's been too long. You know, I'm, I'm still interested in seeing how things evolve with the, with your book and, and the new plugin mechanisms. And have, have you updated everything to Gradle 5 dot whatever we're on now or not? Not all of the work I've done on uh, 5, some are still compiled with 4. There are yeah. sometimes reasons compiling things with 4. Um, even if you want to make take advantage of some things at five, it actually gives you better um, compatibility over a greater range of Gradle versions. So if you write an open source plugin, sometimes that's a better option for you. Mm. Uh, but normally with the book as well, I just go back and update the, the versions. Although with the volume one, I sort of said it's only going to be supported until 410, I think, and the new oh. book will actually take care of Gradle 5. Oh, okay. I mean, I've upgraded as many builds as I could to 5.3. I think they're on 5.3.1 now when I think about it uh, on Gradle. But, it, it, you know, it doesn't really change my life. I mean, the, it does. It's better. You know, it's nicer. And, of course, one of the reasons they like the 5 version is that that brings in the Kotlin DSL. Uh, but even Android Studio still generates Gradle 4.10, you know, version. So until that upgrade starts bringing in Gradle 5.3, then they could start worrying about, because as you say, you know, as, as you reminded us, Kotlin's big use case is for Android. And once they want, you know, if the app is built in Android, they'll eventually want their build file. And I'm sorry, once the app is built in Kotlin, they'll want their build file in Kotlin as well. And, and of course, Spring keeps coming out with Kotlin support. We'll see how all that plays out eventually. Okay. But in the meantime, it's good that we've got Groovy and Grails and Gradle and, and, Micronaut all going strong so far. Right. Okay, so good luck at uh, Barcelona, at the, the Java group in Barcelona, and let us know what's going on, and and have a good uh, day, evening, whatever <laughs> you're doing the rest of this time. Yeah, thanks again. It was good okay. to talk to you again. Take care.